Hi, everyone. I'm Jill Smokler, and I've got issues. I've got a ton of issues, actually, and I'm pretty sure you do, too. And I'm definitely sure we'll both feel better after talking about them. And that's what this podcast is all about. So let's get started. Today, I'm talking with my friend, Nina Badson, who hosts the Dear Nina podcast. Nina has been offering friendship advice to anonymous people for over eight years. She was on episode four of season one, in case you missed it. You can go back and listen. We talked about friend breakups in that episode, but today we are talking about mistakes and lessons we've learned about friendship. We're going to start with one that I am guilty of myself, and that's not putting enough time into my friendships. Time matters. Like Without time, at a certain point, you're kind of only friends in theory. And Mm -hmm. it doesn't have to be a lot of time, but there has to be some time. Although there is an actual number that one researcher out of the University of Kansas goes to, and the number is 200 hours to feel like you are close friends. So I, huh. I've always advised people to not just rely on text and stuff, although texts do count. The way we all text in this modern time, I mean, that does add up to a lot of time and it does create a closeness. It is definitely better than nothing. I, I for sure would say, don't tell yourself, oh, if I don't have time to have lunch or have a phone call every day, I shouldn't bother. That is not true. Right. Like keeping in touch text is definitely better than nothing. But think about what an hour walk would be, or a a one time a dinner, you know, once every couple of months, how much that time adds up so much faster than the texting. I mean, it just does. Text. Totally. And it gives you something that texting doesn't. You walk away feeling like refueled in a way that texting is just sort of, you know, you're half-ass doing it. It's not really quality time for that person. And you can so, be texting a lot of people at once, right? Like you're so, but when you're with somebody, assuming we could put our freaking phones down, you're really with the person. So totally. yeah, I, I think that's a very valuable thing to have in your friendship arsenal. And it is a mistake thinking of mistakes that people make in friendship. It is a mistake to not make time. I agree. A follow-up to that is because I've been really bad with many friendships throughout COVID. I just sort of let them slide and never picked back up. And now I feel like it's been, what, three years and so much time has passed, even though it doesn't feel like any has because it's in this weird time zone COVID thing. Um, how do you how do you pick up and reach back out? Because I'm in, like, I'm trying to, I have a couple of people that I want to reconnect with and I just feel like, will they even remember who I am if I reach out after all this time? It feels so stupid. Um, how how do I, how am I supposed to do this? It's such a good question because what you're getting at is like that vulnerability of, first of all, how to reach out. But even then, once you do, what if you're reaching out is not appreciated? Like they were kind of like right. liked it where it was. I actually think people really do want to hear from not just you, Jill Smokler, but every one of us, they people want to hear from us more than we think. I would reach out by truly just doing it and blatantly saying, I miss you. It has been way too long. Just say, just say the thing. Like instead of letting it um, be this, don't, you don't even have to make excuses. I don't have to say you were busy. You don't have to say life's been crazy. You don't have to say I've been dealing with the kids or whoever. I would just, no excuses. You just say, say the thing that's true which is, I miss you and it has been too long. I would love to catch up. So the last time we talked, we talked about my childhood best friend who I, you know, we had a falling out. We hadn't spoken in 10 years. And I sent her an email just saying, you know, I own up to 
everything. I'm so sorry. I can see our relationship entirely different with, you know, time and distance. And it's been 10 years. I would really love to reconnect. And, you know, my heart was beating. I was so nervous to send it. And within like five minutes, she responded. It was like, I've been thinking about you. I, you know, I really want to reconnect. Let's do it. And I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. I had visions of us meeting, you know, in the middle of the country and renewing it and all that. Um, and then we went back and forth trying to schedule a time two or three times and I reached out and she never responded back like three times. And then I figured, I guess we're not reconnecting. So, but the, my point is I felt so much better having sent the email, even though she, even though it didn't result in the outcome I wanted. Like it's sort of, I, I said, I said, and I meant it that I really thought about her every day, like at least once a day until I wrote that note. And then that really just got it off my chest and I'm not obsessing about it anymore. It sort of closed the door on that. That's a success story. I went on that emotional journey with you just now as you were telling the story. It really is a success story because you got it off your chest You and you cleared the air. I mean, you were yeah. able to apologize. I think apologizing is really powerful and it doesn't always lead to reconciliation, but at least you said your piece and she accepted. It sounds like, like she accepted the apology yeah. in so far as she isn't holding on to any stuff anymore but maybe doesn't want to or doesn't have room to at this moment have you back in her life. I wouldn't be surprised yeah. if another 10 years go by or the 50th birthday in um, three and a half years, something like that, <laughs> again with the math, um, maybe more like four years for you. I wouldn't be surprised if you hear from her again. I don't know that it's over, yeah. over, but it's not a closeness for now, which leaves right, you exactly. more time, Jill. It leaves you more time. Well, she wasn't like in your daily life anymore anyway, but you were thinking maybe that was a possibility for a little bit. Now you have an opening. I mean, I guess I don't know exactly what your day-to-day -day friendship life is like now, but I think you probably have an opening then for that kind of closeness. Like she isn't taking mm. that, holding that spot anymore. Even in No, that's a nice way of looking at it. I like that. And because, you said the thing. Yeah. You said, I'm sorry. I, I Like I have some regrets about how I might have handled, you know, certain things. And and I think that that's harder. You did something way harder than what we were just talking about a second ago, which is just reaching out to someone where there was no strife. Just life happened. COVID happens. Yep. The universe kept spinning and you weren't speaking to that person anymore. But it wasn't. That's true. If I did that, I can handle any any yeah. phone call. That's true. So easy to text somebody and say, I miss you. Let's catch up. And the catching up doesn't have to be like, now we're going to be constant friends. I just recently reached out to a friend from high school. We were so close in high school. Nothing happened. No issues, nothing. She lives in California. I can give her a shout out, Lindsay. Hi, Lindsay. She lives in California, San Francisco. And you know, I've been in the Midwest still, like stuck here, like a trapped animal <laughs> since like birth. <laughs> not, not in Chicago where we grew up together, but I just seem to be stuck in the Midwest forever. Anyway, we just never see each other because her parents don't live in Chicago anymore. So the, I see the high school friends who still live in Chicago or who live out of town, but their parents live in Chicago. And so that's where we meet up, Thanksgiving or wherever. We just don't see each other. So time has passed a lot of time that, you know, we see each other on Facebook here and there, but she's not super active on social media. I wonder if you have that. Like if someone isn't active on social media, it's kind of like, well, it's much harder to be in touch because now you have to actually text the person and oh, talk totally. on the phone. You can't and even if see. you're not, I mean, you just feel like you're involved in that person's life, even if you're not. Yes. Right. Even if it's like a faux sense of involvement, there is some sense. Like I didn't even seen a picture of her kids in years because she isn't really on there. And yeah. 
I was uh, looking for a picture to use for um, actually a guest. I was I was a guest on a different podcast, and we were talking about when I was on pom pom in high school and how much I hated it. And I was looking for a picture of myself in my pom pom. Is pom pom cheerleading? No, pom pom is like dance line. And okay. I joked about in that podcast. <laughs> I'm not even really a good dancer, and it was actually kind of like us getting into college, like we did. It was so hard to get on that. And I, when I'm dancing at weddings with Brian and stuff, he's kind of like, "How did you like make that?" I like, I don't know. Like, I'm like okay dancer. I'm not a great dancer. Anyway, looking for a picture, I saw so many pictures of Lindsay, who was not on Pom Pom, but she was very close with me in high school, and we went on several major trips together. I mean, we were really close, and I kept snapping pictures. I was taking pictures of the pictures and I sent them to her. And now we're like back in touch talking about TV and this and just Hmm. random stuff. And she listens to the podcast, reads the blog, but she reaches out more, which is nice. Now we may, that might be like a thing we do for a little bit and then it will probably dissipate a bit because we're not in each other's everyday lives. But the reason I bring that up is just even making that little bit of time. And it's been, I don't know, a decade. It's been a long time. It's People want to hear from us. I really think that. I really believe that. And if they don't, like they don't make the time to reciprocate like you experienced, okay, message received also. And moving on. on. Yeah, Yeah. totally. Okay. Something else we do that is a mistake, assuming the worst from generally just, I mean, that's my outlook, but especially with friends and, you know, if somebody doesn't respond, if somebody has a last minute cancellation, everything is always the worst. So how do we not think like that? Is there a way? It is so hard and it's human nature. It's human nature. There's a funny meme that gets passed around all the time, which is something along the lines, I'm paraphrasing, that if I don't text back, it's because I'm busy. And if my friend doesn't text back, it's because she hates me. And, <laughs> That's so true. <laughs> and that, that is what we're talking about. And I think the way out of that mindset is to give the person the same thoughts that you have yourself. So if you're late because you uh, took longer to do your hair or something silly, whatever, sorry, the roads were bad. Like I think about um, living in Minnesota right now, the roads are horrendous. Should I have left earlier? Yes, I should have left earlier knowing the roads were bad. And then I wouldn't have been late. But I'm not late because. I don't like the person or don't care about the person. So if right. my friend's late, like, shouldn't I give them those same thoughts that they, that I had? Like, I know why I'm late. They probably have a good reason too. Now, if it's like a chronic issue, that's a different thing. I'm just using lateness as an example, because we always know why we're late, but right. we, but we give the next person like bad intentions. Oh, they don't care about my time. They think I'm worthless and I have no time or I have all the time in the world and they have no time. So I think if you could try to put yourself give the other person the same benefit of the doubt you give yourself. That's what I'm trying to say. We give ourselves a lot of grace. Not, not everybody. Some people are really hard on themselves. But I think for the most part, because we understand our own intentions and thoughts, we give ourselves a lot of good excuses. We understand why we do what we do. Mm-hmm. And then the next person we hold to a much higher standard. It's like we expect a lot more of everybody else. And then we give ourselves a lot of breaks. So Yes, the way out is give the other person the same break that you have been giving yourself the whole time. None of this is easy. It's all so much easier said than done. In the letters I get, this one really comes out a lot because almost every, not every, but okay, a lot of the situations I read about in these letters I get, I people write me anonymous letters. This was since 2014. It's the same address. It's just a form on my website that doesn't require an email address. So, you know, a lot of forms on a lot of things require an email address. You don't have to like make up some crazy Gmail to write me. You can just write to me and 
I'll never be able to trace it back to you. And I actually prefer it that way because I don't want to get into a back and forth. I'm not a therapist. I'm not looking into and counsel people one-on-one. A lot of the situations, because I'm a completely outside person, I can read it and say, well, why would they, why are they assuming this of the other friend? Like almost everything comes down to an assumption and it's always a negative assumption. So for whatever that's worth, I think if we just spun it a little bit, we wouldn't have so much strife with people. Okay. All right. I like it. Um, there was a point that you had mentioned that I really loved, which is not showing up for the happy stuff that we're so inclined if we can to support our friends in times of need. Um, and that sort of is obvious, but it's the fun stuff, the positive stuff that you feel like, even though you want to go to, it's not necessary. Yeah. I think people were not great at that before COVID and now we're even worse because it's that much harder to get out of the house. Did you notice even during COVID and now a little bit past, it even is it can even be taxing to get onto somebody's Zoom event. Like even that feels like, okay, yeah. like, not, like the bar and bat mitzvah. I mean, think about how at the very beginning, it's like, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to sit on my couch. I'm going to participate. And, and even that now is hard, can be hard to show up for. Yeah. And yet yeah. it should be easy. Um, it is very easy to, although there are people who are not great at this either, but it is technically easier to you know, sign up for a meal train, make the meal when it's your turn. A friend is going through cancer, God forbid, or somebody in the family died. There's a meal train. You sign up, you make your meal, you're done. Like for the day, you show up to the funeral, whatever. That's a one-time thing. If somebody has something really exciting going on, they wrote a book, you've been through this. And I'm really curious to hear what it was like when your book came out. But um, something like that, you get invited to events it can be easy to be like, oh, they have so many fans. They have so many followers. They have so many whatever. They don't need me. Mm-hmm. When the truth is, I just saw in the Wall Street Journal yesterday, as a matter of fact. So this is really timely. The front page. Now, not front page above the full like headline. But Wall Street Journal on their front page always has something a little more cultural at the bottom, but still on the front page. And it said something like, um, you know, writing a book is a challenge. Getting people to come to your book signing is even more challenging. Oh my God. Oh my God. Yes. Right. And that could be for any, and we just happen to be talking about books right now because we're both writers, but it could be, that could be like, you're in a show you're in, I don't know. There's so many positive things that go on in people's lives, or you just want your friend to like maybe share your new business on Facebook or write a review for the podcast or something. These are things that it's really hard to get people to help celebrate you. I will caution people, though, that there is a line. I just did an episode recently about being careful not to treat your friends like your customers. So there's mm-hmm. that. That's more now. We're, we're back in the book, the business, the Facebook, that kind of stuff. Um, but showing up, showing up to your friend's birthday dinner, like getting off the couch. I know it's hard, and a lot of us have like social anxieties, and you don't have to be an extrovert to show up for your friends. I do think people use that as an excuse sometimes. And it's doesn't mean it's not true. It doesn't mean that they are, um, doesn't mean they're lying about being introverts, but it, it doesn't get you out of showing up. And you won't believe this. Maybe we talked about it last time. I actually consider myself an introvert. I really do. Because mm. I, I actually like to be alone a lot and get exhausted by a lot of togetherness. But you still got to show up for the stuff people remember. I mean, they remember... Uh, when you were, when you show up, I mean, I will never forget the people who were there when my dad died, the people who came all the way to Chicago. I mean, it's, it's, 
I'll never forget that. And it's such an effort. It takes so much effort. That was a sad time. I, that sounds strange because it, that, but my dad was sick for a very long time and he was 80. I mean, this was, it's not like it was a happy thing, but it was mm-hmm. still, I don't know. It was just to be together with people. It meant a lot. Yeah, of course. Um, you asked about the, the book tour and when positive yes. things happened. Um, that, that was really the first time it was so exciting that I felt like my friends were going through it with me. Um, and I felt like I could be sort of the underdog who did this and, you know, I sort of did it for all of us in, in a way. Um, and the second book came out a year later and the climate had totally changed. There was a whole slew of mommy books. Um, it was just scary. Mommy did not sit as, you know, was not differentiated from the rest in the same way. Um, and I had a book reading that I remember in Providence, Rhode Island, that I promoted on Facebook. And I didn't reach out to anybody specifically, but I posted it, you know, to everybody. And one person showed up. <laughs> And it was a books a million and it was huge and they had a display and they had all of these books and the manager came over to, you know, greet me when I came in and she's, well, you know, we're just waiting for all of your people to come. I said, yes, we're waiting for all my people to come. And this one woman who happened to just be shopping, she wasn't a friend of mine, um, just like picked up the book. And I was like, well, if you'd like to buy that, I can read it. We can read you a chapter over coffee. So I bought us coffee and I read her a chapter of the book and it was mortifying. Um, and I realized after that, had I reached out individually to friends who lived in the area and really made them understand how much it meant to me and that I would really value them being there, you know, it probably wouldn't have been quite so tragic, but it just getting people to, you know, leave early from work, get coverage for the babysitter, just all of that stuff. I felt like I can't ask them to do that. It's too much. It's too much to ask. Uh, it, that is such a hard line to know. Like there are things that are too much to ask. Like that, that's a real thing. And maybe a mistake people do make, which kind of, I, I talked about in that episode about not confusing your customer with, with your friend. There, there is such a thing as too much. I don't think asking a one-time thing is too much. And one piece of advice I gave there is, let's say you do have a book coming out and you have certain readings that you are nervous won't be well attended. I think it's okay. I'm thinking like this would be in the town you live. And and people can, it doesn't, I mean, I know this is very specific to an author. It doesn't have to be an author. It could be anything you have going on where you might have multiple things that you might be asking of people. Mm -hmm. Ask specifically, I like what you said where you said, if you, let's say, had known somebody in Rhode Island, you could you could have said, this would mean so much. I And just be vulnerable. Kind of like saying yep. earlier when we talked about saying to a friend, I miss you, it's been a long time. The same idea of saying, I am concerned that nobody is going to show up for me, for this thing, for this birthday event, for this book yep. signing, for whatever. Uh, I, you know, Jill, I, there's been times that, that, you know, I was in Listen to Your Mother years ago, a million years ago, and like the first season on the show when it was in Minneapolis. And I hated asking people to come, but they did. A mm-hmm. lot of friends showed up and it was really touching. And um, they do a lot of alumni show now in Minneapolis and there's been tons. And they, they've they asked me a couple of times, you know, will you send something in? Will you, do you want to try? And it's, I think the thing that holds me back is this exact thing. I do not want to ask people to come again. It's like they've already right. come. I've been in a different show. I was in a different 
comedy thing that I was in that that was maybe five years ago. I feel like I've already, I've had them come to a couple shows now. It's like, I don't really yeah. want to, it feels like a lot. Now, maybe I'm being crazy, but I think I would have to, if I were to do something again, I think I would have to very specifically not just throw it up on Facebook. I think I would have to say it would mean a lot to me, but you can't do that all the time. No, you can't. And I'm finding that with this podcast, like I, all I want is for people to, to read it and to review it and getting people to do that. I mean, I had my nephew here um, a couple weeks ago who is seven and I was like, Hey, can I see your iPad for a minute? <laughs> Yes. Five stars. Mortifying. Yes. Because unless you ask people personally, they just won't feel compelled to do it. So while I have everyone's attention, go give Nina and my podcast five stars, please. You'd really yes. appreciate it. Thank you. And yeah, I love when you say, I listened to your little quick uh, holiday thing, which is like, not three stars. Like you know what? One guy. Nothing changed from that. Not one more rating from that episode. Interesting. Yeah. Which yeah. Is, just goes to, and I know, you know, I get positive reinforcement. I talk to people like, I, you know, I, I know people are listening, but um, getting people to take action is really challenging and then not being offended by the lack of action. Um, well, right. It's hard. Well, that, that would bring us back to our mistakes people make, which would be if you're in the creative space, like we are, which is like the term people use now, I guess is is not taking it too personally because we're so immersed in this planet, but just normal people, like normal civilians who maybe aren't on their phone as much or aren't even, don't even know how to use the app, Jill. Like people don't even know. It's actually not that easy to get mm. to the stars. It That's makes true. Easy. It's really not. Like if it's not intuitive to, to the average person, it's like they're not going to bother with it. But I guess what we're saying is try to show up for the good stuff for people, which might be as simple as, you know, liking something on social media, but on the flip, that being too tied to friends support because ultimately, like I was saying, your friends aren't your customers, really. Yeah. Like they're not, they're not your number one audience. Um, and that's for business stuff. I do think it's nice to show up for your friend's birthday stuff, show up for your friend's kids, uh, burn about yeah. mitzvahs and, and all that. Something that's been a little complicated for me has been since I've been, out of an office and independently working is the line between coworkers and friends. Yeah. Because if it's with Scary Mommy and with what I'm doing now, I love it and I feel very passionately about it. And I want the people who are involved in it too to feel the same way with me. Um, and so I form, you know, very strong friendships with my team and with the people I'm working with. And I think it was a little eye-opening to me after I left Scary Mommy. There were there were people who I definitely kept in touch with and kept in touch with me and put effort in. Um, but there were people I worked with who just I never heard from again. And maybe that was maybe I'm assuming the worst and maybe, you know, it's my responsibility to reach out. But now that I'm no longer in that scary mommy world, I feel like I'm like really out of it. And those people that I was so close with, who I considered my closest friends, be without the anchor of Scary Mommy, really aren't anymore, which is, I guess, my point. I think it actually, Jill, yeah. goes back to one of the things we talked about at the very beginning, which a mistake people make is not realizing how much time it takes. And so being in a work environment together, that solves that issue. That time is, you have the that time. That is so because, true. And then once you're not in that environment, to not realize that the thing that brought you together was not just 
like physically being in the same place, but all those little notes back and forth, the the funny looks, the the eye rolls, the you know, just the camaraderie of being not only in the same office, but in the same project, like working towards the same goal, like all that stuff really bonds you. And it's like time just explodes. Like those 200 hours are like in a second. I mean, it happens so fast. Once you're out of that, it would have taken, to stay close to those people, it would have taken a lot of time and effort. It would have taken a lot of emails and texts and phone calls from you and from them. Were you kind of the boss figure? Yeah, like you you were really the lead there. So that, I wonder if that adds an extra layer of complication that maybe they, maybe it really was on you to, I'm not saying this in a blaming way. I'm like brainstorming with you. Maybe it really was on you to make it clear that to you, these were real friendships. They probably thought that they were too. Like if we when there's good chemistry, you're not imagining it. Like you're just not, right. It was real. You were real friends. There was real chemistry. We say work friends at first, just to denote that you met them at work but you be still become you can still become really close friends and i believe you were but for it to exist outside of work i do think calls texts those those had to have happened yeah you're right because it goes back to making time and if you're not thrown together into those settings because of work then you have to create them which is if you're looking at an entire office of people that you're leaving, you know, not very realistic. Um, yeah. And that's where the assuming the worst comes in, meaning just it's not personal when people fall off like that. It's just that nothing happened to keep you together. There had to right. have been some action. It is hard. Um, something I've been thinking about a lot. My divorce uh, just became final today. So I've been doing some, yes, a big day. Um, I've been doing some reflecting on just what my marriage and even in our early relationship, the effects that that had on my female friendships. And it was, it was a great (laughs) impact. I think by coupling up so young with Jeff, when we had just turned 18, we became this unit and it was, I had my roommate, Jess, um, who she was sort of separate because we were practically Siamese twins, but, um, it was really just Jeff and I against sort of everybody else and not against everybody else, but you know what I mean? We were just a team and that made it hard to look outside of that relationship, I think, um, in a way that I really regret. I have a lot of, um, even though we say we try not to have regret, I totally have regret over things. Um, and I regret not having a college experience where I was open to, you know, date, to meet different types of people. I feel like I got caught very, very early in this, in this role and yeah, it sort of dictated where I am with friends now, which is just not making the time for them and not prioritizing them the way I should. I have so much to say on this and I'm glad you brought it up. First of all, I'm the perfect and unique guest for this because I was <laughs> you really there. really are. Because <laughs> I was there. And it's so interesting because it was easy to be jealous of that, just seeing it at the time mm. when we were 18, because it's like you guys had always were laughing. It's so much. It seems like there, and I th- I'm sure it was real. I mean, of course it was. Like there was so much fun. You were each other's best friends, and and it kind of was you against the world because that's what it's like. I mean, that's how best friends are too. Sometimes, right? Yep. Like, um, even if it's not a romantic thing, like best friends 
can feel like you you have somebody who has your back because you did have those things in Jeff, a safe person, a person who has your back, a person whose back you had, someone to go to parties with, somebody to come to come home to. Because I feel like I had those things in friends, just more than one though, right? Like mm-hmm. somebody who I could, now sometimes those people change because, you know, we get closer with other people through the years, but that's the natural part that maybe you missed a little bit yeah. is that having to deal with, okay, I was close with this person. Now I'm not as much. Now I'm closer with this person. Are we going to be roommates junior year or not? Are we, I mean, you had to deal with some of that because you still had to like have housing, but maybe you weren't as attached to those things because like you always had Jeff and you always had yeah. Jeff's apartment or wherever he was going to land. He had there my was always. You think I was going to go there? <laughs> oh, that's true. That's true. There was always a safety net for you. So yeah. any friend strifes that might've been going on, I don't know what was or wasn't, couldn't have hurt too badly because you had that safety net, but you're right. Like you, you didn't have to go through the hurt then, but. uh, And I just didn't have the experience, the camaraderie, the, just the minutia of, of having female friendships. I just feel like I missed out on the formative years of it. And in high school too, I never had a click. I never, um, I've, I've always been such a loner that it's been hard to reach out. And I think Jeff just um, exacerbated that because he he drew me in because we just had each other. Yeah. So. I think you said something really important about regrets, which is while we don't want to be bogged down on them, there there is a usefulness. And it seems like you've figured that out. The usefulness is what can I learn from this and how can I do it differently? So that's where a regret is not a, such a bad thing. It's like, okay, I have regrets. I'm only 45 as we have established. <laughs> uh, I'm speaking as you because I'm 46. <laughs> You're only 45. And it leads to another thing I had uh, on my list. I wanted to talk to you about as a mistake people make, which is assuming it's too late. Well, there's two mm. things. We'll, we'll couple them. Assuming it's too late to make new friends or to make changes in, in friendships. And people too often assume that they are not liked. And that's something that Dr. Marissa Franco, who's a friendship researcher actually in your state and the University of Maryland. And so she's in Maryland. She's great. And she wrote a book called Platonic. And she has a whole chapter dedicated to this. And she has done research that actually shows that people who go into a situation assuming that people like them automatically just have a better time. They make more friends. They make friends easily. And it may be a little bit just of a mindset thing where you uh, like you almost have to just tell yourself, people do like me, people enjoy me. And and then it becomes true. It's like this self-fulfilling prophecy. And of course, the opposite is true. If you assume people don't like you, imagine how you hold yourself. Imagine walking into a space like, oh, I bet everyone here is talking about me or doesn't like me. Then you act accordingly. You mm-hmm. have like an unpleasant look on your face. You don't seem open. You don't see you, you have your you arms crossed. You may just stand in the corner with your arms crossed. <laughs> yeah, right. And it comes through. And, it, and the opposite, it, it comes through if you're positive and all that. So anyway, putting those two things together, I think it is never too late, but it takes a little bit of like a mindset of just having to go in saying, I can do this. People like me. Kind of like when we were kids, I'm good enough. I'm smart enough. All of that. It's important to go into situations like that. And you, I think you had another thing. Can I just like be, be your unofficial uh, therapist, not therapist? Because I'm not Please. at all therapist. So there was the college early, very early, very huge relationship in your life at a time when maybe now you weren't the only one with the boyfriend. Like I had boyfriends too, but they just maybe weren't as serious. Oh, I remember. (laughs) 
I know you're doing. <laughs> we have pictures. We have photographic evidence, which I expect to not see on your Instagram. Um, Noted. Anyway, it, but they didn't last, you know. So in the in the in between, you know, you have the all the friend drama and stuff. But you also made it really big. You you did like you became kind. You you really became very well known. And I think that can be tricky. It's like a celebrity, really. It can be tricky to know who is a friend and who wants something from you. I do think that might have come into play. Possibly. I feel like, I mean, I'm under by no means a celebrity, but I feel like I did have a taste of what it would be like to be one. And um, I think people definitely were probably less inclined to reach out because I was busy and I was preoccupied mm-hmm. and I was, you know, on talk shows and this and that and the other thing. Um, That's what I mean by celebrity. Yeah. Like I, I understand, like we're not talking about like Julia Roberts level, but, but busy and in the public eye, like that was exactly right. Like this probably an assumption, like, Oh, Jill won't have time. And then I just wonder if you ever worried if someone was reaching out, like, did they want something? I don't, you know, I think it's a fair concern people have when, when you have a big audience like that. It's funny. I'm, I can be so cynical, but in that way, I never was. And I wonder, I probably could have been more <laughs> as I think back. No, that's on good. Certain yeah, glad you weren't. But yeah, no, it's, it's a nice, it's, it's a rare occasion for me to be positive. So I will take it. Um, yes, that's good. <laughs> but yes, I think thinking it's, it's too late is false. I mean, I, my mom has made friendships in her 60s, 70s, you know, deep, meaningful friendships. And I'm far away from 70. <laughs> so there's plenty of time for that. Yes. Um, and I think for all of us, it's just, we are all lacking. I, I don't know anyone who feels like their friendship bucket is overflowing and they are getting exactly what they need for it from their friendships. And I think to take this this month to really, in this year, to really reevaluate what is important and what you can give and what you get back. Um, I'm just really happy to have this opportunity to talk with you about it. Well, we should we should check back in and have in six months or something and and see how that's going because I think yes, it's never too late. You anyone would be lucky to have you in their lives, and and I would love to see you if I can give you a challenge is keep it local because you have like a big mm. internet life and, and you've been so comfortable online for so long. And I, I, under, I'm also very comfortable online. And I sometimes also have to remember that it's not the, it's the people at home who are going to come over with the chicken soup. Mm. I mean, you, it, it is important. I love having out of town friends and stuff and, and living in a place. And you, as do you, we both live in a place with, which is not the place you grew up. Um, so it's great to have some of those old friends, but focusing it's sort of like shop local it's like friend local maybe i should do a, yeah. an episode on that but there's I like a real, it. it's really important to have people nearby that doesn't have to be a lot of people it could be two people but some people who are nearby close enough who can really be there physically sometimes you physically need to be with a friend one other thing i think it's really important people keep in mind as they are on any kind of journey to either have more friends, which is not always the goal. The goal might just be to deepen the friends you already have. Like maybe you already have people in your life that you like. You just need to see them more, deepen that friendship. But it is important to not expect every friend to be everything. 
So mm-hmm. if you have a couple of local friends who are really fun to hang out with in person, but you don't always have like your deepest chats, like that's okay. It's important to have local friends. So maybe those deeper chats are for an out-of-town friend. If you have one out-of-town friend who you really can get down to the root of things with quickly, that's really valuable. They're not going to be the person you, go on, you can go on a walk with because they're mm-hmm. not there. But so each of these friend buckets, every person cannot be all the things. And if we could let go of that, that that's a grown-up important thing to do. I think that's a really adult friendship important skill is to let go of those expectations that each person is going to be all the things. Not every friend's going to, friendship's going to be deep. Not every friendship's going to be fun. Some, right. some are just, um, those people are really good to bounce off and brainstorm life stuff with, but they are not going to be the person. They're not going to have like, broken heart necklaces with everybody. <laughs> right. They may not like yeah. to travel. So like that person isn't going to be like your travel buddy, but your travel buddy, um, you know, might not be great at, showing up with soup when you're sick, but they're great to go on a trip with. Like, And that's okay. Like to take each person where they're at. I think that what you said about your mom is so inspiring and a reminder to everyone that it really is not too late. I'm guessing your mom knows all of these things. And that's why she has made friends at Mm -hmm. a late age. I bet she is not expecting each friend to be everything. I bet she doesn't assume the worst. I bet she, you know, a lot of the things we talked about, I bet she shows up for happy things. If her friend invites her just to go out, I bet she goes. And these are You know what else my mom does? She sends birthday cards to all of her friends. Every birthday. (laughs) That's showing up. That is. Yeah. yeah, When I say showing up, I guess I'm so glad you brought that up because it doesn't always have to be physically show up. It's Mm -hmm. be present in your friends' lives. That's a better way of saying showing up because now we we use the term show up, all of us in the world, so much that it's lost its meaning. I'm going to change that to be present in your friends' lives. And sending a card is a good example. It just shows I'm thinking about you. I know when your birthday is. I thought about it a week ago. Got a stamp. Yes, yes, totally. Nina, you are so wise and I love talking to you and you have the best advice. And next time we'll have to do a Q&A episode because we have some questions that we didn't even get to address that we'll see oh, for fun. some other time. I, I would be honored. I really touched that you've invited me on a second time. I'm so glad we're in touch and we're a good example, by the way. Totally. It's not like we're in touch all the time. But we, I think we have each other's back in this in this business world, and we know each other a long time and respect you, like each other. And I would love to hang out anytime. If we lived in town, we would. But we don't live in town. So, I mean, that's yep. just we, we but appreciate we each will other. see each other at some point. We saw each other at the reunion. We'll see each other yep. again. And there are those things that, that really – and I think without the reunion, we may not have, have – we would have reconnected. But I think that really sort of grounds you in the relationships, like you're saying. So Because just, time. We yeah, spent time just, together. Real time. Yep. I am glad to have you in my life. Thank you so much. I hope that uh, we have a good report from you next time we're together. (laughs) Me too. Thank you so much for listening today. And I have a really big favor to ask. Could you please, wherever you're listening, just hit the five-star rating for the podcast. You don't need to review it. You don't need to do anything else. Just wherever you are right now, wherever you're listening, just ding, give it five stars. It would make me so happy. Okay. She's Got Issues is produced by Gwen Sound, Kira Shine, and me, Jill Smuggler. We would love you to come back next time, which we are trying to get into a routine with and actually some regularity, but just subscribe so you get an alert and we will uh, get better at this. I promise. Thank you so much. Bye. Bye.